we finally get those images from Webb. A SpaceX booster has a surprising explosion. A mission to Neptune from China. A black hole fails to consume a star and going under the ice to search for European space whales. All this and more. Hi, everyone. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy news journalist for over 20 years. This is our Space Bite segment, or maybe it's called our News Bite segment. We haven't really decided on the name. Vote in the comments below on which one it should be, and then I will try to remember. Anyway, we've got a lot of really interesting news coming at you this week. Let's get into it. This has been a pretty busy week, and that's, of course, because we finally got those first images from James Webb. What? We've been waiting like 20 years. We got the first sneak peek image on Monday night from President Biden and Vice President Harris and other people from NASA. And then we got the rest of the images and a more detailed explanation on Tuesday. And of course, we jumped to work very quickly and produced a full length video on just those images. So if you want more information about those images, you should definitely go and, and check that out. But there's a few other little interesting uh, tidbits that we wanted to add that have come out. In the video, I mentioned that we would maybe get a chance to see Jupiter and other objects in the solar system thanks to Webb. And we got those images. Actually, we were able to include those images in the video because they come out after I'd recorded. And we got some more versions of these images of Jupiter in the last couple of days. We're going to include them here. And they look great. I mean, it's an infrared image of Jupiter and not a visible light. And so you can really get a sense of the difference, the kinds of features that you see in infrared versus what you might see in visible light. Of course, the quality of the images that you can get from a big space telescope at Earth just isn't going to be anywhere near as good as all of the spacecraft that have actually flown directly to Jupiter. We've got Juno at Jupiter right now taking the most incredible images from close up. But still, it's great to have another eye on Jupiter and other objects in the solar system. So thanks, Webb. And of course, even though Juno is right there up close, it doesn't have the same imaging capability as Webb to be able to see into those same infrared wavelengths. So this gives just another perspective on the objects inside the solar system. And when you think about some of the discoveries that even the Hubble Space Telescope made about, say, plumes on Europa, this is a chance to make other interesting discoveries across the solar system from a powerful infrared observatory operating here in the solar system. It was interesting to see the reactions from people across both our comments and other news stories about it. There's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. I, I feel pretty glad about the way we tackled it. Uh, hopefully we were able to keep fairly good with the science, but there were some other really amazing analyses done by other YouTubers that you should definitely watch because I know there's a lot of uh, poorer quality videos out there, but you should definitely check out the videos done by Dr. Becky, Anton Petrov, and Joe Scott. They all did really terrific jobs of explaining the images. And I, maybe between the four of them, you do some kind of mashup between all of us, you'll get just like a really good explanation of, of everything that Webb was able to produce. Here's a cool image that is overlaying on top of Gaia data that shows you the locations of the different objects that Webb was able to image. This came from Reddit user RT Foki, and so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. There's been some interesting comparisons done between Hubble images and Webb images, and it's, it's not exactly apples to apples because, of course, Hubble is a near-infrared, visible, ultraviolet telescope while James Webb is entirely in the infrared. And so you get differences in the sharpness and 
really just the wavelengths of what these images are showing. But still, you can see how much more powerful Web is compared to Hubble. But other really useful comparisons are, say, Spitzer or Wise, and then you can see really dramatic differences between those infrared telescopes and the capabilities of Webb. It's, it's such a dramatic improvement. And at this point, people are always asking me, like, when are we going to see more images? And the answer is, we don't know. <laughs> There's going to be more images coming out uh, every few days. My guess is that we're going to have a flurry of additional images to sort of go with the excitement of this initial release and then the scientists have to do their work and so we're probably going to have a bit of a empty stretch and then more really interesting science results coming out over the next couple of months so stay tuned and we'll of course update you on everything as it is released there was an explosion during a super heavy test so a few of the folks set up down at Boca Chica are constantly videoing all of the work that's being done at the Starbase. And we got a video clip from the folks at NASA Spaceflight showing this test that was being done on Booster 7, which is one of the super heavy boosters for Starship. And there was this pretty big explosion that detonated underneath the booster and you can see like the camera shook there was like this shock wave that came out and a lot of the ground equipment that was around the underneath of the booster was blown out of the way and shortly after that the folks at nasa space flight tweeted out and said this was a bit of a surprise and there was a tweet back from elon musk saying oh it's we were doing a test and this is fairly normal and then that tweet was deleted and replaced with another tweet that said Okay, yeah, this is actually a little more significant than we thought. And there's a fix for this. The space shuttle, whenever you see the launch of the space shuttle, you see these kind of sparklers that are firing out sparks underneath where the fuel is coming out from the space shuttle. And this is designed so you don't get an explosion like this. So maybe we'll see something like this used with the Super Heavy. We don't really know what happened. There was clearly some kind of fuel leak that caused this detonation underneath the engines. And the problem is that you've got these 33 newly installed Raptor 2 engines underneath the Super Heavy, and this explosion could have caused some damage to them. And so people are going to have to go and look through all of these boosters, maybe replace, swap out parts. And we've actually seen some problems in the past for Booster 7. There was a story we reported on a few weeks back about some internal plumbing that imploded and had to be replaced. So we don't really know exactly what the implications of this are. Like we're expecting the launch of Super Heavy in the next few weeks, but now they're going to have to go and do some detailed analysis on Booster 7. Maybe they're going to swap out to Booster 8. We still don't know. Now, this is just like a really short version of it. I highly recommend you watch Scott Manley's coverage. He went through this in great detail, measured the size of the explosion frame by frame, and was able to give a lot better conclusions about what might have happened and what the implications are for SpaceX. There could be a mission to Neptune, but not by who you think. In the most recent Planetary Science Decadal Survey, scientists gave the government their wish list of the kinds of missions that they wanted to do. At the top of their wish list was the Mars Sample Return Mission, but if there's any more funding, they would really love a flagship mission to Uranus, please. It's a very interesting target. No one's ever been back to Uranus since the Voyager 2 flew by in 1986. And this week, 
we heard from the Chinese space agency that they're thinking of sending a mission to Neptune. We still don't have a lot of details on the mission and the paper was written in Chinese. We had to translate it, but the, their plans are to send a flagship mission using a fission reactor, a 10 kilowatt electric fission reactor. And this would then use heat thermocouples to extract electricity from this fission reactor to power the spaceship. 10 kilowatts is an enormous amount of power. When you consider say curiosity and perseverance are using plutonium, but they're using it at, through the decay of the plutonium, the heat that's given off from that plutonium, they get about 110 watts of electricity out of the plutonium. The mission would be equipped with a main orbiter, but they would also come with probably four sub probe satellites. Two would be sent into Neptune to study its upper atmosphere, internal structure, and two would probably go to Triton, which is one of the most interesting moons in the entire solar system. It was one of the first places that geysers were discovered in that initial flyby in 1986. We have to go back to Triton. Ideally, the mission would launch in 2030 and arrive at Neptune around 2036. But there's other launch windows that would work. It would use a gravitational flyby of Jupiter to gain an increase in velocity. And so the final goal is to send a flagship mission to Neptune to go into orbit around Neptune and its moons to understand the magnetosphere of Neptune, its atmosphere composition, the ring system, its moons. It would be an incredible amount of science we could get from Neptune. If you like the work we're doing, why don't you consider joining our Patreon? This allows us to remain independent, allows us to keep the ads at an absolute minimum. So go to patreon.com slash universe today. We'll give you behind the scenes information and I will remove all the ads from universe today website for life. A black hole tried to eat a star, but failed. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how one of the stars that's orbiting the supermassive black hole at the heart of the Milky Way takes just four years to go around the Milky Way black hole. And at its closest point, it's going almost 3% the speed of light. And yet it still holds together as a star. Now, what if you get closer? Well, then you don't survive the journey. Astronomers watched as a star passed too close to a supermassive black hole about 215 million light years away. And the tidal forces tore apart the star into this stream of material that went into the accretion disk around the black hole. And you would expect that this material is now going to just make its way down swirling into the black hole. But what astronomers saw was actually this cloud of material moving away from the black hole at 10,000 kilometers per second. And when they did some math and measured the amount of material, they found that actually the majority of the stellar material was escaping the grasp of the black hole. So it sounds like black holes are actually sloppy eaters. In search of European space whales. One of the most popular topics here on our channel is the exploration of Europa and specifically some way to explore under the ice on Europa. I've done many videos about this. I have interviewed experts about missions that could explore under the ice on Europa. But a big question is like once you melt down through tens of kilometers of ice and you make your way to a subsurface ocean on Europa, how do you explore it? This week, we got the announcement of a new NASA Advanced Innovative Concepts Award, which awarded $125,000 for the study of 
a swarm of cryobots that would explore the ocean underneath Europa. So as this probe is melting down through the ice, it's carrying about 50 cell phone sized little swimming cryobots. They kind of look like super star destroyers from Star Wars. And so when the probe reaches the ice, it'll deploy these tiny swimming robots, and they would then be able to move away from the base station and explore underneath the ice. They would then be able to communicate whatever they find back up to the base station, it would be able to communicate with the surface, and we could learn about what's happening under the ice on Europa. The various probes could go off on their own, but they could also collect together like a school of fish to study the European space whale when they find it. So it's a cool idea and it just shows like we're just getting closer and closer and closer to more interesting missions that are going to go to Europa. All right, those are all the top stories that we had this week, and we've got links to everything we talked about in the description down below. Now, this is just a small tidbit of the enormous amount of news that I publish in my weekly email newsletter. I write this every Friday. It goes out to over 50,000 people, has no ads. I write every word, and you can subscribe for free. Go to universetoday.com slash newsletter to sign up. And you can get everything we do in an audio podcast edition. Just go to universetoday.com slash podcast or search for University on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks to everyone who already supports us on Patreon. And a special thanks to all the interplanetary researchers, the interstellar adventurers, and the galaxy wanderers. Your support means the universe to us. All right. Those were all the stories this week. What a week. It's been busy. All right. We'll see you next week.